We're going to the book of 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to read a few verses here. I do know that I've got the kings hanging in the balance. We'll be dealing with them. But I didn't feel like we should tonight, or at least the Holy Spirit didn't let me. I also started a study on the book of Proverbs that I'm going to be working on too. And now tonight I'm going to bring a, a message out of the book of Thess- Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. And we may do a study on that and kind of work it out as a balance. I pray that the Lord might help us with it. In Second Thessalonians, you won't have to stand tonight, but I want you to read with me please in chapter 1. Second Thessalonians, that's called the second epistle or the second letter of Thessalonians written to Thessalonica, the believers. Paul is the writer. Holy Ghost is the, is the author. But I want us to read these verses tonight and then we'll look at some things. Quite interesting, I believe, tonight to notice this about this church in Thessalonians. The Bible said in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives us his salutation in the same manner that he always does. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't see he don't say peace and grace. Amen. You can't have peace without grace. So you get grace, and grace produces peace in your heart. Verse 3 said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now let's pray. Father, give us divine wisdom tonight from heaven. I pray God you'd sprinkle a touch of God upon our heart. Lord, help us to be motivated by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray tonight we'd speak only that which we need to speak, no more and no less. Lord, help us to stay off of subjects we don't need to be on, and God, help us to uh, declare the ones that you put to our heart. I pray you'd direct our thinking, our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, and our souls, God, to the preaching of the Word of God tonight. We ask, Lord, that you'll have your will and your way in everything, touch hearts and lives. If there's one tonight here that's out of the will of God, I pray you'd speak to their precious soul. Well, if there's one lost without God, maybe got their name on a church book or been to the baptismal pool or gone through the motion doing something, 
And yet, Lord, they're lost and undone without God. I pray tonight you'd convict them of their sin. Lord, if there's one tonight that's despondent and discouraged, touch them. Lord, I pray tonight that you would instruct us and inform us. And Lord, I pray you'd build us up in the faith for your glory and honor. May we be stronger when we leave the world when we got here tonight. We'll give you the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now Paul's writing here in verse number one. He says, Paul, you remember the name of Paul before he got uh, right with God? His name was Saul. Silvanus, you know who the other word for Silvanus is? Silas. So we got Paul, we got Silvanus and Timotheus, who we know is Timothy. So these are the ones, and Paul's writing the letter here to the Thessalonican, Thessalonican believers, and they've got problems. I notice in chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, I kind of looked at it, in the first chapter, there's three chapters. First, the first chapter, jot this down in your notes just to kind of help it, just in case we do take another study in it. The first chapter is to deal with a personal advice from Paul to the believers. Sometimes a preacher has to give personal advice. Uh, I've done that before, but Paul was inspired to do that. The second chapter deals in 2 Thessalonians with prophetic information. And these believers needed, and I'll share that with you tonight. Why? And then in chapter number three, we find it's not only uh, those two things, but he gives us practical information. Isn't it good to know the Bible gives us practical information? Something is practical, something you can add to your life. Amen. Now, chapter one, and I won't get further than chapter one. Matter of fact, just a few verses. We won't even get into much of of the second Thessalonians because we're going to start something, look at something else in just a minute. We will go back and look at some of these things. We find, first of all, that in chapter number one, we find the condition of the church at Thessalonica. Look at their condition. Paul's laying it out and straight. I believe Timothy probably went there. Matter of fact, I know he went there. And he's come back and he's told Paul what's going on. And Paul sits down and writes a letter to the Thessalonian believers. He knows what their problem is. And Paul, when he knows what their problem is, begins to deal with it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all have problems. And the thing about it is, my problem may be different than yours. And uh, we all may have varied problems in this church tonight. And we don't usually discuss those among ourselves. But when we find out we got a personal problem or a problem in spirituality tonight at the house of God, we need to search the Word of God to find out where our problems are and why we have them and how to get rid of them. Problems in the spiritual life of an individual tonight can ruin you, can hurt you. You can't be a happy Christian with problems. Now, anybody says, we, we all got problems. That's right. But there's a problem with not knowing how to deal with the problem. And so we need to deal with that. And I believe Paul's kind of helped us with that. You'll see there's three things wrong with the Thessalonian believers. Now, we're looking at the second, second epistle. Have you ever noticed that when there's a first one in these, sometimes there's a second one? And Paul is bad about that. He's not the only one that does it. Peter did it. There's first Peter, second Peter. 
But there's always instruction, and the first one usually deals with the problems, the real problems. Say, for instance, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, you read 1 Corinthians, you see it is full of problems from chapter 1 to through chapter 16. Paul deals with every single one of those problems. But he don't get them settled because he has to come back with another letter to add on top of it. And usually the second epistle clarifies and straightens out what was dealt with in the first epistle. Kind of gets them on their feet. Uh, the first chapter might stir them up. I mean the first epistle. But then the second one kind of settles them down to understand. And that's what's happened in Second Thessalonians here. Timothy is another one. Oh, you got 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy had problems, but 2 Timothy, he goes into more detail and straightening out the problems. You see that? I just said, throw that in tonight to kind of help you a little bit when you're studying the Word of God. It does help. There's three problems to these Thessalonian believers. You'll find them in verse number 4 of chapter 1. Not all of them, but two of them. It says in chapter 1, verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your, here's one thing that's having problems with, persecutions. Secondly, he says, and tribulations that ye endure. There's a difference tonight between tribulations and persecutions. I'll give you what persecutions are if you want to jot these down tonight. And you'll see what they were going through and then you'll begin to think, hey, I've got some of them myself. Persecutions, you said, I don't think I've got no persecutions. You mean you don't, you're not oppressed by people? Somebody don't oppress you? Well, what about the devils? They'll oppress you. Amen. You may not have, if you ain't got no trouble with nothing, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of leery to say anything about you. Amen. I, you must be hiding somewhere. Because when I do something for God, the devil is always out to oppress me. There's oppression. And uh, this business of persecution is mistreatment. Have you ever been mistreated by anybody? You know who will mistreat you more than anybody? So-called church folks. It may be family folks. But they will mistreat you in some manner. And they don't mean to do that, but they do it. Sometimes they may mean to also. Uh, they'll abuse you. Have you ever felt like you've been abused in walking and talking for God? Amen. Uh, maybe they don't. Well, you know, they give you too much punishment. There's harassment. Have you ever been harassed? Sure, you find that in family, you find that in church, you find that on jobs. How many of you men work on jobs and come home sometimes and you think you've been harassed? Amen. And then when you get home, you get harassed again. I mean, that's even worse. You understand what I'm saying tonight? We're looking at persecutions. And uh, have you ever been bullied? You ever feel like somebody bullies? Sometimes your family members might bully you a little bit. Uh, molest you, so to, call, so to speak, in a sense. Now, we're, we're not talking, we, it's, this is not necessarily physical. You may not have no physical abusement. You may not have no mental abusement. 
And it might be a religious abusement. Somebody might laugh at you for what you believe, what you stand for, who you stand for. It might be a mental thing that they want to play on your mind. The devil knows how to put you in place. You see what I'm getting at? These Thessalonian believers were, number one, being persecuted. Now, we're going to find out in a minute why they're persecuted. Uh, just reading this, what I'm reading to you tonight, don't let you know a whole lot about it. But I'm going to give you some scripture in a minute to let you see what these Thessalonian believers were having a problem with, and we have the same thing. The second thing, they had tribulations. Now, tribulations is just trouble. It's afflictions. It's adversities. It becomes more physical. Persecutions can be from the uh, forked tongue of people you get around. It can be those who have a tongue that's not controlled. A tongue that's not under control of that individual. Uh, I get more abuse from people today by saying what they say than I do physically from their hands. You do too. Matter of fact, that's how we're persecuted and, and uh, you have go through tribulations in these modern days. It may get worse down the road, and it has been worse in days past. But guess what? It could come again. Distress is another a type of tribulation to have misery. It can be uh, all kinds of things. It could be grief. They give you grief. Do people give you grief? Now, persecutions are stronger than, uh, I mean, uh, tribulations are stronger than persecutions. And I say tonight that probably none of us in here have ever suffered no real persecutions. We just think we have, some of the persecutions that we have suffered we brought it on ourselves a lot of times. I don't want to get too deep into this tonight and, and uh, you know, lose the thought of where I'm going. That's the two things that is having out of verse 4. Now, the third thing is found in verse number 7. Now, Paul has recognized this. And I'm going to show you what these problems were in the Word of God. It's no different today. We get down in verse number 7, and it said, to, And to you who are troubled... Rest with a troubled in mind. That's where they were. Do you know people tonight that's in the church that's troubled in mind? They don't know what to do. I said, I ain't seen no, nobody like that. I have, especially uh, in the last 10 years. What was happening here to the Thessalonian believers? The second chapter, they have come to place to thinking that the Lord has already come. They've got left behind that they're going through tribulation or fixing to. If you read it, you'll see, and I maybe have time tonight to clarify that. What are you seeing in our day? We got people now troubled about the mark of the beast, about uh, uh, the Antichrist for years. I mean, for the last 20 or 30 years, I've been dealing with people trying to straighten out the business of the Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? Listen, forget that. If you knew tonight who the Antichrist was, you might not know them. And if you did know them, what good is that going to do you? We're still here. And I'm looking for the rapture of the church and the Lord to come to get us. I'm not looking for all that stuff. So I see so many that are troubled. 
Uh, I, I want to turn in just a minute. Did anybody know where the Thessalonian church came from? You know how it got started. We're going to look at that tonight. And when we get it, see where it got started, we're going to find out why they're where they are here in chapter number 1 of 2 Thessalonians. Uh, just the other day, I guess it's been three or four weeks, I was speaking to a couple of ladies at the table where I was eating and and uh, I said something about where you go to church and they told me and I asked them, does so-and-so, the pastor that I know was there at least that time, when people tell me where they go to church, I usually say, who's your pastor? And sometimes they'll say, well, I can't remember his name. Well, I know they don't go regular. Does anybody know who the pastor of Bible Way Baptist Church is here tonight? Can anybody tell his name? Okay. That's what I'm saying. You come here often enough, you'll know. But anyhow, I was talking to them, and I said uh, to them, I said, uh, well, uh, he, he's a good man. And this lady spoke up, and she said, uh, well, he preaches, but I he never teaches me anything. He preaches, but he don't teach me nothing. Well, I've heard that before. So I come home. I didn't pay much attention to it for right then. But a few days later, I'm driving up the road, and the Lord brings that to my remembrance. And when he did, the Lord gave me something. And I went, when I was driving down the road, I went home. You can't, you can't look at the Scriptures riding down the road. So I held that and went home. I want you to turn with me tonight uh, over into... Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to look with me in verse number 11. And I thought about that stuck in my crawl. He preaches, but he don't teach me nothing. And I thought, okay, is there something wrong with that statement? Is that corresponding with the Word of God? Is that what God ordains some of these things we let pass by us we never question we just take it for granted sometimes we don't dig any deeper I'm glad I went home and looked at this so I looked up and seen I remember this scripture I didn't know where it was I looked up the reference and here it is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and he gave some comma apostles semicolon and some, comma, prophets, semicolon. That just means there's more to follow. And some, comma, evangelist, semicolon. And some, comma, now I want you to notice this, pastors and teachers. When I looked at that, I said, Lord, did... Did they mess up when they translated this? Should it be pastors, comma, and teachers? Should it read, and some pastors, comma, or semicolon, and teachers? 
And then I just come to the conclusion, it's just what God said it is. Because I looked at another verse of Scripture and it said one of the qualifications for a man of God or an elder or a, a bishop, it said, is that he is apt to teach. Am I right? Staying with me, aren't you? Pastors and teachers. And then I got to looking at, what if we just had just preachers? That's all we had is preachers. And the preacher couldn't teach. If the preacher didn't know no teaching. Sometimes I'm preaching in this church and sometimes I'm teaching in this church. Do you agree with me? Sometimes I'm teaching and sometimes I'm preaching. Sometimes I may teach the whole sermon. Sometimes I may preach the whole sermon. Sometimes I may preach and teach in one sermon, and that's ideal for every one of them. And I pray every time I get up, y'all preach to you and teach you something. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. You're just going to have to pray for me. Lord and mercy, that's hard business. All these years pastoring and teaching, it's hard business. So I look at this and I see it. And he said, apt to teach. That means every preacher ought to be apt to teach something, tell you something. You ought to learn from the preacher. If you don't learn nothing on the preacher, you either know it all or don't want to know nothing, or you're not listening, you're sleeping too much, or you've got a bad preacher. Got to be something like that. There might be some more scenarios there that I didn't include. You just may be hard-headed, amen. amen, and don't want to know nothing and don't hear nothing. Amen. amen. Some of us are raised kids like that, we know, amen. But we'll get out of that. Let's just look at this. When I go to the Word of God and I find this, if you have preaching all the time and all you got is preaching, I'll tell you what will happen. Your church will get stale. He'll get stale and you won't move forward. And if all you got's teaching, I've heard people say, boy, our preacher, he don't preach, but he sure can teach. I wouldn't want you to say that about me here. If you do, tell me honestly so I can do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? If you've got all preaching and no teaching, the church will get stale. And if you have all teaching and no preaching, it'll dry up. You see, all that knowledge, that's right. It'll go to everybody's head and they think they know something. And it ain't going to go nowhere. So God sends teaching to train you how to follow Him in His Word. And He sends preaching to bust your hide and kick the devil out of your life. You've got to have all that. That's why he said pastors and teachers. Now from now on you read that, you're going to remember that, ain't you? I hope. All right. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 17. I know I'm not going to get nowhere. I'm just going to take a little time here on the Word of God.
You said, well, I thought you was in Thessalonians. We were. But I asked you a while ago, did you know where the church of Thessalonica got started? Maybe you did, and that's good if you did. But for the rest of you, we're going to turn to chapter 17, and we're going to look at this. We've been reading 2 Thessalonians lots of times, people, and we don't check out. When, when you hear the church in Thessalonica, you don't, well, where'd that get come from? Where'd it get started? Every church got to start. Amen. I could tell you a lot of them started. I don't believe God got any, but uh, they got started. Look at Acts chapter 17. The Bible said in Acts 17, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, or Amphipolis, Amen, it says that. I don't know if I got that right or not, but I made a stab. And uh, Apollo, uh, 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 Apollonia, they came to, what's that word right there? Thessalonica. Here's where it shows up. Where was a synagogue of the Jews? Now I want you to look at this. God gives us something. Here's a service of people. The Bible talks about, and they're going to tell us in a minute who was there and what they were doing. But they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the, what? Jews. Now that's not all it was there, but there was a synagogue. You remember the Jewish people like synagogues. They do this to this day. They like synagogues. We call them churches of uh, of, you know, Jews like tabernacles and temples, and we've got people do that here in, in America, but we just call them churches. They're different than the synagogues. So I'm kind of getting this fixed in your mind. They got a synagogue of, of the Jews. Now let's look at this very particularly. And Paul, as his manner was, in other words, as his custom was, as he usually did, as he always did. He is a man of habit. He went to the house of God. Went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. I want to point out something here. You said, I thought Paul was a preacher of grace. Absolutely. Here he is in the synagogue dealing with the Jews. Remember, he is in the transition period and coming through and is turning from law to grace and Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. But on the Sabbath day, amen, the Gentiles didn't show up too much. It was the Jews. Why was he going to the synagogue and preaching to the Jews? Because the Jews did not know the Lord Jesus Christ and he went to the synagogue to tell them about him. That makes sense? He's going to the Jewish congregation and he preached three Sabbaths. That means he preached three Saturdays. Didn't say he didn't preach on Sunday, but 
us other places he met on the first day of the week. I can give you scriptures on that. We're not getting into that tonight. And what he's saying is, it's representing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's when, that's how the church is set up. That's why we don't worship on Saturday, is because we have a new and a living way. Christ rose on the third day, and he rose on Sunday. And not on the Sabbath. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in there, but he said he reasoned. What's reason? I believe it means he went in there and methodically, intellectually, logically, and organized, tried his best to convince them Jews that they needed Christ. That's what we got to do. Every day you work with people, every day of your life, you need to learn to reason with people. I don't get this wrong. He didn't go argue with them. He didn't let them argue with him. He reasoned with them. What I, the reason I said, he intellectually and logically wanted them to look, and he didn't use the Sears and Roebuck catalog. He used the scriptures. See that? He said, opening, that's the word of God, and alleging. What's that word alleging mean? Claiming, proclaiming, contending, certifying, testifying, professing. What he was doing is alleging, letting everybody know what it said. That Christ must needs have suffered. What did those Jews need to hear? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And risen again from the dead... And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ, the anointed one. I've been preaching Christ and that's the one I'm trying to get over to you. And he's reasoning with these Jews. Amen. You'd be surprised at the people you could reason with if you just sat down to talk to them. Some of them won't hear it, but that's okay. Then he said in verse number 4, and some of them, what? And some of them, what? Amen. Don't that sound good? I mean, brother, that's, that's as good as amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They believed. Some believed. Praise God. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear people believing what's preached. So he reasoned with them for three Sabbath days. And he reasoned with them in such a manner that some of them believed and consorted. I didn't know that didn't mean that they blowed their nose. That word consorted just means they got in union with him and in partnership with him, began to believe with him. They consorted with Paul. They got on his side. They consorted with Paul and Silas. He got they got to believing just like they did. In other words, he won some over to the Lord in the Jewish synagogue. And then he said, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women. So we're going to find some of the crowd. Not only did they have some Jews that believed, they had some Greeks. They were devout Greeks. When you say a devout Greek, they are used to their rituals and so forth. Devout. They, they believed what they believed. They liked what they liked. And they were hard to do, deal with. Amen. It was devout men that carried 
Stephen to the grave. That's what I told people. When I die, I want them to get some devout men to carry me to the cemetery. Amen. Amen. Before you carry me out of the, out of the funeral home, look at the undertaker and said, we're going to get these boys to carry his body. We, uh, you're the last feller that's going to let them down. Let, he, let him down. All right. I've done told some of the, some of the uh, undertakers that anyhow. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks and a great multitude and of the uh, 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 a, great, a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. In other words, there's a lot of them too. So here's some congregation. Now you see what's happened? You said, boy, that sounds good. Yep. Well, let's read a little further. I'm trying to tell you why that they were over in chapter number one, having persecutions and tribulations and trouble in their mind. Churches don't have tribulations and persecutions and trouble in their mind unless something's going on. Of course, you fight the devil, you're going to have some of it. But that wasn't what they was doing in Thessalonica. Now let's go. Verse number five said, But the Jews which believe not, the Jews which believe not. We done talked about those who believed. They consorted with Paul and Silas. Now we're going to see some that would not believe. They refused to believe. Uh, which believe not, moved with envy. Have you ever looked at what that word envy is? Become jealous, had resentment, bitterness. Got spiteful. They got uh, get discontent and begin to begrudge Paul and all the other disciples or all the other believers. Amen. You get jealous in the church and you get people getting against each other. And I'll guarantee you, it ain't God. It ain't God. That's why we call the church a family. We're to be in one mind, one accord, in unison. In unity. That's why I call this the church my family. Amen. But the Jews which believe not moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows. You ever thought about them lewd boys? Lewd. What's lewd mean? Just look at it plain. It, it means vulgar. They were crude. They were dirty. They were filthy, spiritually speaking. Uh, they were wicked. They off color, off shade. And they begin to give these Jews who believe trouble. Do you ever have problems with that? Work on a public job and you say, I go to this, and, they, and, and, and they'll bring up something, and just because you keep your hair cut like it's supposed to be cut, they'll make fun of you. Just because you go regular to the house of God, they'll uh, slight, say slight things to you, call you a holy roller, holier than thou. They'll point out every fault they can think about you. Make up a few. Seriously. That's these lewd fellas. The devil's got them placed in God's work all over the country and about every place you go. Lewd fellas. Of the baser sort. That's pretty bad to say you're of the baser sort. You know what the baser sword is, don't you? That is about as low down as you can be. 
and gathered a company and it goes on to tell and set all the city on an uproar. You know what an uproar is, don't you? Disorder, turmoil, shouting, yelling, disturbance. You know, you ought to see, you know a little bit about what I'm talking about. See, we don't apply it to our scriptures. We just about got some of it happening now, going to have it in a few days. Uh, where them, that fellow shot them kids. I'm against all that. First thing he said, Biden said we're going to have to do something about gun control. They hauled O'Rourke out today out of Texas out because he got in front of the governor. There's language going there that I don't like. And it wasn't from O'Rourke and all of it, but I'm telling you, uh, we, we're at a place. They'll be pouncing up and down the streets, rioting and th- doing things. That's what was going on here with these believers who believed Christ. They were writers and everything else. We, st- we got that stuff today. Now we're talking about the Thessalonian believers. You understand what I'm saying? And I want to show you this. And it said, uh, and s- set all the city on an uproar and assaulted. You know what assaulted is? Begin to strike, to pound, to batter, to clobber. Got fighting mad. Because people believed in Christ. Turned up their world upside down. Their world needed to be turned upside down. So these Thessalonian believers, they were gathered together. This is the first time of they're starting a church, and I'll show you where they started it. The Bible said, uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. They, they're meeting in a house, the house of Jason. That's where the first church here in Thessalonica got started. And it said, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Wouldn't you like that to be said of Bible Way Baptist Church? We turned the world upside down. Well, I don't think some of you want that. Amen. It would make the paper, but they'll say things about you you don't want said. But amen. Why, if you're worth the salt in your, in your bread, you ought to be able to ready or get ready and willing and want to turn the world upside down. Matter of fact, they accused them of that. And Paul just had to come back and said, no, no, no. We're not turning the world upside down. We're trying to turn it right side up. <laughs> we're trying to get it where it ought to be. And then we go on down and and he says in verse 7, When Jason had received, uh, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And when they had taken security of Jason, oh, excuse me, verse 8, and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Now let's read another verse or two. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now you see where Thessalonica got started? Now we're ready to lay the framework for 2 Thessalonians. 
took all that to get to there. But we got to know. Now, won't you know what he's talking about now? Do you understand now why that they are under persecutions? Do you understand now why they're having tribulations? And some of them, what they did, and we'll study this, and I ain't going to have time to do it tonight, but we'll study this, and some of them had come and told them that the Lord had already come. That's why First Thessalonians was written. Paul's giving that to them, and he's saying to, to them, he's saying, well, look here. In First Thessalonians, he clears it up. First Thessalonians chapter 4. They done, done told them the Lord doesn't come. And they were troubled with it. Did you know the rotten doctrines of this world tells you everything? I hear preachers say sometimes, we're going through the tribulation. I hear, hear some say, we're not going to, uh, 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 the Antichrist is going to come. The bark of the beast is going to happen. And then we're, the, 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 we're going through tribulation. Church is going to go through half the tribulation. The church is going to go through all the tribulation. Have you heard that? Sure you do. And you know what they'll do if you're not anchored? It'll shake you. It don't shake my foundation at all. I'm settled on those things. And that's why I'm preaching this tonight. To get you solidly believing. You said, well, I hope that's the way it is. Yeah, I want you to just hope it. I want you to know it. Do you want to take God's word at value? Let me just ask you this, ladies. You ladies are pretty good at, at cooking things. I'm not. I'm working on it. But I see it's going to be a job. But I notice this. You ladies, if they, if they tell you that you need a cup of flour, and you go over the cabinet and get it, and you got a half a cup, you, don't, you said, well, I think I'll get by with a half a cup. And you probably can if you half everything else. <laughs> but then it says you need two spoons of sugar and you throw in two spoons of sugar. Now, I don't know about making biscuits and all that stuff, but if you don't get everything just right, it ain't going to be right. And when your husband or your friend or somebody eats that biscuit, they look at that and they say, hmm, they may lie to you and tell you it's good, but Amen, they know good and well they could throw it and hit the dog and kill him, but <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You've got to do it just like God says do it. And when you do, you're blessed. And these people in Corinth had been told. And then others are coming along and telling them something. So Paul said, I just think I'll straighten out this little thing for you. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. He's talking about 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Concerning them which are asleep, that's those who have died in the Lord, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. That's another thing they had taught these believers. They had said to them, the Lord's already come, therefore there is no hope. The Bible says if we really have hope in this world only, we're what? Amen. So you got it. And so here they were. They were distressed. They were distraught. So we're starting off 2 Thessalonians and they've been 
bombarded by what the world is saying. Brother, let me tell you something tonight. The church is saying everything they can about the church. The church out there, I mean, the people out in the world that's churchy don't like our church. And they don't like your life. And they'll fight you tooth and toenail. Paul said, for if we believe, for if we believe, look, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Somebody said, I think he died and rose again. That ain't what that said. For if we think that Jesus died and rose again. Did I change that? Amen. Dangerous, ain't it? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, might God bring with him? No, I didn't say that. It said, will God bring with him? You've got to put your trust in the Word of God. You've got to believe that recipe to get what you want cooked. And we've got to believe God's Word tonight to believe what He says is going to happen. We keep putting no question marks. Some of our heads are full of question marks and not marbles and sawdust. I believe we'd be better off to have a little sawdust and marbles. He said, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself might descend from heaven with a shout. I missed it. I know I did. Intended to. Shall descend from heaven. I can go to bed sleeping tonight know if he comes tonight. And that he might, uh, he might come tonight. Now, don't don't get no questions in that. That's right. He might come tonight, but when he comes, he shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, don't go home tonight and say, "I wonder if I'll hear him." He said he's coming with a shout. And divorce the archangel. And if you believed him and you trusted him, you're going to hear him. And if you don't believe him and trust him, hit the altar. Praise God, get it settled. Amen. I like what it says in the Word of God. And then down at the bottom, he says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. I'm going to stop right there tonight. Thank you for coming to the house of God. And, uh, oh, I just got the introduction laid to preach on these Thessalonian believers. Amen. They got problems. And he said there's a whole lot of things, a lot of things in those three little old chapters of 2 Thessalonians. Amen. I love studying the Word of God. God bless you. Heads bowed. Amen. I pray tonight that God will speak to you. I pray that he's already...